Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. In the spring of 2020, the MTSU exercise program conducted an eight-week study of the Pendle, a new device which purports to help alleviate low back pain. Participants spent three hours per week strapped to the Pendle, in some cases seemingly flying through the air. With us to discuss the evidence-based research are Dr. Sandy Stevens, an associate professor, and Rawsam Alasmar, a graduate teaching assistant in the exercise science program. Swinging your way to better health after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. With help from Fraternity and Sorority Life and the Student Government Association, the MTSU Student Food Pantry shelves are now overflowing. During recent Greek Week activities, students from the Greek and governmental organizations collected over 10,000 non-perishable food items. That's the largest donation in the pantry's history. Thanks in part to their food collections, the sorority of Chi Omega and fraternities Phi Beta Sigma, Phi Beta Theta, and Sigma Alpha Epsilon, collectively known as Team Aruba, captured more points than any other group during Greek Week, which was April 12th through the 16th. On April 14th, the groups assembled a drive through in the parking lot behind the MT-1 stop and, over a five-hour period, unloaded their food items into carts for transfer to the pantry, the office, and anywhere else the food would fit temporarily. Now all the food is either in the pantry or the pantry's overflow facility. The items collected include canned items, rice, pasta, fruit snacks, and juice boxes. The College Panhellenic at MTSU contributed more than $400 for purchase of additional items if stockpiles run low. The pantry reached 750 visits in the fall of 2019. That's more than the per-semester average of about 500. However, with the on-campus population reduced during the COVID-19 pandemic, in-person visits have dwindled and many orders are taken online. An upsurge is expected for the upcoming fall semester, and in addition to non-perishable food items, the pantry continues to collect hygiene and cleaning products such as toilet paper, paper towels, laundry detergent, hand sanitizer, and hand soap. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Sandy, Rossum, welcome. Thank you both for taking the time to be with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Uh, I don't care who takes the first question first, but would you please start out by describing what the pendle looks like? Okay. Uh, it's an apparatus suspended from a ceiling and uh, it, it allows a person to stand on it and just swing. Technically, it's, uh, it's of gravity, gravitational, so it's, there's no contact to the ground. And uh, the person gotta use or must use uh, multiple muscles in order to stay balanced or to you know, continue to move. And the, the strapping um, is, is fabric that creates kind of a harnessing system that makes you secure in it. And the suspension is very long so that the excursion of the swing is pretty extreme. So there's quite an arc there as you swing as, as uh, or there can be quite an arc depending upon how much motion you want to put into it. That's correct. And the, the straps, what you've got two under the arms and two around the legs, right? 
two for the legs where the legs are uh, fixed on and then uh, for the arms to be able to hold on. And then there is a harness uh, for safety and security where people don't fall off it if they swing uh, uh, high enough. They can not only swing, but also they can spin along with the, the motion. So there is spinning and swinging depending on the uh, configuration that they, uh, that they uh, place uh, up in the ceiling. So you can either have a one string suspender or they can come in a V shape where the point that is connected to the panel will, will allow less spinning as opposed to only one string coming down off the ceiling. It can be placed uh, indoor or outdoor. Um, so uh, you, you, you can swing as high as you want or you can even do some certain movements that are very basic and simple for people who can't, uh, can't swing at, uh, at a very high level or they're still uncomfortable with the, uh, uh, with the motion of the swing and the spinning. So depending on uh, you know, the comfort level and the uh, fitness level of the individual, these can be catered, those movements and exercises can be catered uh, uh, based on the level of fitness each person uh, is comfortable with. Uh, how far off the ground are you vertically or does it vary? Uh, it varies. Uh, we start for people who start in the beginning, especially with the study that I conduct. You know, we conducted here at uh, you know at the department. We started with our participants. Uh, the, uh, the the footwear is on the ground, so they're still feeling secure and in contact with the ground. And as they start to get comfortable with the device, we start to kind of elevate or suspend them a bit high in the air, and it could be up to half an inch to an inch, three inches, and it goes it goes as high as you know, you want it. Where did you set up the pendle? Did you have to go into the gym in Alumni Memorial Gym to have enough room or what was your physical space? Yes, uh, we set it up in the gymnastics room actually. So it's um, very high ceiling. So we had you know, plenty of room for the suspension component of it and uh, just a, a wide open space. And so we had a, an excellent uh, environment for installing the device. Does it stretch the spine? It, it, there are certain ways where you can uh, position yourself on the apparatus or the, uh, the, the pendle where you can track, yeah, you can allow attraction in, uh, in the spine, uh, you know, upside down. Um, uh, yes, you can. But again, it also depends. It also depends on how comfortable a person can be uh, inverted upside down. Uh, can you describe your research methodology? Uh, what did you do? How many participants? Uh, what were the parameters? So uh, we've recruited uh, ten participants, and then they decided we had ten participants overall. Uh, we had two groups, a control group and an experiment group, where uh, we had four people in the experiment and six in the control. Uh, we, uh, I, I identified uh, 20 different exercises that targets the lumbopelvic area to be able to uh, study and understand uh, the improvement in, uh, in, you know, in, in the low back and be able to reduce that after a while. Uh, we did measure uh, uh, pre uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the experiment and also post we had an eight week longitudinal study and we met with the participants three times per week. Each time we've met for an hour. They undergone uh, uh, those uh, fundamental exercises on the pendle. 
uh, that target the region of the pelvis. And uh, what we did is uh, we increased those intensity as they get better and more comfortable with the exercises. So by the tenth, by the eighth week, they were doing certain movements that they they could not do in the first week. But also through those measurements that we did pre and post, we were able to uh, uh, identify if there's any improvement in strength, flexibility, or also reduction in low back pain. Did the uh, participants have any sort of uh, pre-existing conditions that uh, they hoped the pendle would help alleviate? Well, what we've done is we've, uh, we've recruited them based on certain criteria. Are they qualified? So they filled out a questionnaire based on like uh, medical history. And also what we've used is the, Aust uh, the, uh, the Austrian uh, uh, low back uh, questionnaire. And it's a, it's a questionnaire that is targeted to, uh, for people with low back pain and understanding uh, the measurements uh, from zero to 100, 100 being really like, disabled and zero have no pain. And what we've done is we wanted people to be between 10 and 40 on that scale that could be recruited to the study. Anybody who had, uh, uh, you know, scored higher than that probably were excluded, you know, they were excluded from the study. And uh, we wanted people with uh, some low back pain uh, uh, condition. And that's how we, how we recruited them. Now, they did, they, because of the, the, the device was fairly new, uh, no one had understood or learned what, or knew what it was. So I, there was certain, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, familiar, familiarization process because I wanted them first to, to be able to be comfortable to use the device for the next, you know, for the following eight weeks. It will be very hard for like to start something and then <laughs> in the middle of the process, they quit. So we had gone through a familiarization process and then uh, once we got their acceptance and agreement, uh, uh, then we conducted, we started to conduct the test. We'll take a break right here, and we'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're back and we're with Dr. Sandy Stevens, who is an associate professor in the exercise science program, and Rossum Alasmar, who is a graduate teaching assistant in that same program, talking about the research they've conducted on the Pendle, a new device that is uh, hopefully going to alleviate low back pain among many uh, sufferers, yours truly included. What sorts of therapeutic endeavors can be performed on it? You mentioned exercises. What specific activities, if you could describe two or three of them, can be performed on the pendle? Once the uh, individual is on the pendle being suspended, uh, they can do basic functional movements such as squat, uh, hip flexion, hip extension, um, knee flexion, knee extension, 
uh, it's translating our uh, traditional movements, but now you are on a, on, a, uh, on a device that is suspended at air. And now what's gonna do is going to force balance, stability. Uh, it's gonna be more challenging for the person to, uh, to conduct these movements uh, while suspended in air. But as I said early on, they start these movements on the ground and as they get comfortable with the device and uh, with the range of motion and the strength, then we start to, 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 you know, to elevate or to suspend them in air more and more to the point where everything has to be controlled uh, in air and uh, uh, being suspended. It's the traditional uh, work, you know, workout that we try to translate into uh, our understanding of how the joint works, what muscles are we trying to target and can we mimic those movements on the pendle. And since it's a new device, there was a lot of creativity and thoughts that came to it uh, with Dr. Stevens and I, you know, trying to, uh, to think of, uh, um, you know, of how can we bring those movements from, you know, the traditional world into the pendulum. What sort of measurable results did you see in the research in like with, with regard to range of motion from an, an individual would improve from what to what? For example, for instance, the range of motion what we've used is sit to stand, uh, sit, uh, sit and reach test, where a person will uh, sit on the floor and uh, where their back is uh, against the wall, and they try to reach their toes, and there are, uh, you know, there there is a, a measurement that we take as far as how much can they go uh, forward, reaching their toes, you know, uh, with their tip of their fingers. Then we do the same test after uh, you know, after eight weeks, and we'll see if that range of motion has has, has improved. And also, part of the exercises that we've been, that we've, uh, we've provided during the experiment is stretching exercises along with strengthening exercises. So there's that component to it. We also measured uh, strength of a back pain using a, a dynamometer, which is a device is uh, it's used in the industry where a person will extend the, uh, the hip and will measure it based on um, how much uh, uh, kilo, in, in kilograms, how, how much, much they can, force they, force they can, uh, yeah, they can apply or produce. And the other one is we measured their uh, uh, sit-to-stand power, and it is a strap uh, that goes around their waist, and it's connected with a string to a device, and we'll understand based on how fast and strong uh, they stand up and that's how the, you know, the, the, the factor of power is the time factor along with the, uh, the distance. And, uh, and we also measured the power. So with all these components, there, there was a, a significant uh, a difference in, in, in increase between the control group and the uh, experiment. And also the effect was large at, at, at pre and post the study, yes. Can one use it alone without any sort of assistance or supervision? Or do you need a spotter like a weightlifter? It's like anything else. Uh, in the beginning, probably you need to be trained on how to, for, you know, for safety measures, how to get on it, how to get off it, how to use it. And as the person gets uh, comfortable with it, all these movements can be conducted alone. Can people of any age use it safely? Okay, so the study that I conducted was from 18 to 65. We have kids uh, as, as, as young as five, six years old, depending on if they have the right size because the, the actual device is designed into three different sizes and there are children's size uh, pendle and then it can be as old as someone who's comfortable in their 80 or 90 as long as they're fit and they're capable to stand and perform certain exercises. Yes, and we had people as old as 80 being on the pendle, but not in my study though. 
but we've seen him participate or take part in some of the fun activity that, that goes with it. I was very skeptical in the beginning. I spoke to Dr. Stevens to, uh, to come and just investigate the device with me to make sure that is there any legitimacy to it or is this is another uh, uh, scam? Scam. <laughs> <laughs> at it, uh, it has a potential and we, we were curious as, as a researchers, we were also curious to see where would that device take us as far as not only from a low back pain and how it works with muscles and, and you know, there's other aspects that this device could, uh, you know, uh, maybe, I mean, just uh, something we could explore that could, uh, could add to. And I think I'll leave that to Dr. Stevens to, to, to explore. Yeah. And I think too, it, it was, it was interesting because in some ways it works on some of the same you know, philosophy as the underwater treadmill, that idea of unloading and putting people in an environment that is safe where they feel like they can explore motion without the risk of, uh, of, of damaging themselves or injuring themselves further. So, you know, it seemed um, very much kind of in line with research that we had done in the past, you know, looking at the idea of unloading. This is just, you know, a different approach to achieving that and with um, a different population. What was your reaction when you first saw the device, Sandy? Well, I, I mean, I just thought it looked fun. So um, <laughs> the first time I saw it, I got in and, you know, they were showing me a few different ways to, to move it and, you know, was really going on pretty extreme excursions and with some spinning. And I was pretty amazed at the effect that it had, you know, on me in terms of attention and you know, an overall good feeling and that we went out to the home of this friend that had the device the effects of it I felt all the way home I mean driving home and all so I mean it, it seemed like it wasn't just while you were on the device but that there was some lingering benefit of participating and I found that very intriguing and so we had some discussions and decided it was a great opportunity for us as researchers to investigate something new. And we felt like it was a great opportunity for MTSU to be pioneering some research in an area that hadn't been done before. We'll take another break right here and we'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about the Pendle, a new device that uh, purports to help people uh, with low back pain. Uh, our MTSU exercise science program has conducted research on it. Uh, two members of it are here with us, Dr. Sandy Stevens, who is an associate professor, and Rossum Alasmar, who is a graduate teaching assistant. 
I was also wondering in my layperson's mind uh, if perhaps people with osteoporosis might find it useful with uh, supervision and uh, a control of the arc so that they don't bump their leg into the wall and break their leg or you know anything like that. Uh, just curious about whether that might be an area of study in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely we were fortunate that uh, where we have it um, suspended, there's no way you could run into any, we just have enough space where that's not an issue, but you're absolutely right. Uh, that would certainly be something, you know, to take into consideration. And again, how high, because our ceiling is so high, the excursion can be extreme where if you had had it suspended with, you know, at a lower ceiling, then you, you couldn't move as far. So I think you're right that all of that would have to be taken into consideration because yeah. you can get some, some speed on it if you get, you know, pretty good excursion. And if, yeah, if you ran into something that would probably not be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. But you all had so much room that it was highly unlikely anybody was going to bump into anything. Yeah, there really wasn't we were just fortunate that we, it, it just seemed in some ways, it so seemed like it was meant to be, you know, that we had a great space for it. You know, we had a student who was curious and wanted to explore something new for his PhD research that we had, you know, some funds available to, you know, put the structure in place to be able to provide it. And it's just like all the pieces came together. So it seemed like it was a, a thing to do, but you're right, it's, the room is, is, is huge for how we had it set up. There really wasn't anything you could run into, but it would certainly be a consideration. What other sorts of uh, research angles can other uh, investigators take using your work as a jumping off point that you think are ripe for exploration? Well, we've discussed that a lot as we've kind of gone through this process because it does seem like uh, the, the potential is there. You know, we've certainly talked, I mean, be, because like just the experience that I had with it, changing you know, your focus and attention, you know, we've thought about it in terms of looking at children with ADHD, autism, hyperactivity, you know, those types of things to see if facilitating the sensory stimulus along those neural pathways will help reorganize some of those processes, you know, in the brain, you know, it gives, um, you know, children, again, a fun yet safe piece of equipment to be able to work through some of that, um, that sensory motion. And it also is so supportive that the pressure from that can help organize some of the sensory information that's being processed as well. You know, we've thought about it, you know, just in terms with a variety of uh, other types of motion disorders, everything from Parkinson's disease or multiple, you know, anything where you, you know, want to try to provide a safe environment, you know, again, something that people can do independently, because that's where so much of the work we're doing in the program really looks at the limitations just in, you know, funding for medical intervention, you know, that not everybody has great funding for things like physical therapy or those types of interventions. And even if you have funding, what's available can be minimal for what you really need when what you need is activity every day. If we find that for some of these other types of uh, motion disorders, this type of intervention is successful, you know, again, it could be something that you could have in your home that you could do on your own, you know, every day 
And, and I think those, that's what where we're seeing, you know, the best outcomes is when you have this chronic exposure to activity rather than sporadic. In the promotional video, I saw some people on pendles, separate pendles, but close to each other, engaging in exercise together, two individuals on two separate pendles, but close. It, how can that kind of, of tandem exercise be beneficial? One thing I can think of since you mentioned children is if a little kid is afraid to get on it, maybe if mommy is on a pendle next to the kid or daddy or somebody he trusts, then maybe that'll make that kind of exercise a little easier and less uh, traumatic for him. I'm glad you brought that up because there is a configuration and a set of uh, an, an older adult next with uh, a child or a, or, 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 or a kid, different sizes that it could be uh, set up where both a parent and a kid be uh, spinning together or swinging together or playing on it together. So I'm glad that you brought it up because it, there is a configuration that is already in use for parents to be uh, uh, suspended with, with their kids and, and, and swinging together on it. Uh, what you saw in the video are two adults. And this is, uh, again, the pendulum. I mean, it started with, uh, with a person with a low back pain that he created and it came up or what we see it today. And what we're trying to investigate here at MTSU is, you know, is want to see the effect of the pendulum low back pain, but but it, it serves in the fitness, it serves in the leisure. It's a, it's a fun device that even it could turn into again because it's a new device. Maybe people will come up with creative way to use it in show. Like so, yeah. It, it again, it's it's what creativity of the mind will bring in order to utilize the device. But for us, we're really more interested in the rehab side of it. Now, maybe in the future, people will do more work on fitness and how would that translate into certain sports-specific uh, activities, such as maybe increasing cardiovascular or spinning motion, or, or for instance, balance, uh, reaction time, coordination. People, dancers might benefit from that, uh, uh, martial artists, uh, uh, skiers, uh, um, skydivers. So, I, I mean, again, it, it's, it's a new device and we're really curious to see how it's going to help throughout all these areas. If people want to know more, what should they do? How do they get in touch? That will be myself, Rausam Alasmar, R-S-A-2-Z, R-S-A-2-Z at mtmail.mtsu.edu. Rausam Alasmar and Dr. Sandy Stevens, thank you both for being our guest today on MTSU on the Record. Thank you. It was great talking to you. We'll be right back. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. Much honored MTSU concrete industry management professor and longtime director Heather Brown recently received the Joe W. Kelly Award from the American Concrete Institute. 
Brown shares more about the recognition that's part of a distinguished career. To be recognized by the American Concrete Institute as an exemplary educator just really caps the career that I've had thus far. We just hit over a thousand CIM alumni or graduates, and I've been a part of, of nearly every one of those stories. I got here when the first group of 12 graduated, so I didn't get to educate those first 12, but starting in year two of graduates, I've been a part of every one of their lives, and it's just been a blessing to me to be able to have that role. And the Joe W. Kelly Award really encompasses uh, the love that I have for education. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.